to another episode of the Ankomar podcast. I am your host, Marvin B. Folks, I am streaming live from Fort Lauderdale, where it is a fantastic day once again. Great weather. And uh, what can I say? I love where I live. And uh, I'm joined today by a good, good old friend of my, Tom Klinkscale from the days of Palm Beach Atlantic when it was a college. So, Tom, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Good to be here. I like living in Massachusetts where the weather isn't quite as sunny and warm all the time. But if you'll notice behind me, I have the beautiful uh, picture of uh, the greatest baseball park in America, uh, Fenway Park. That wasn't so great between, what was it, 1908 and 2004? Yeah, no, there were not a lot of wins in terms of World Series, like none. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what what was that curse? The Yankee curse? The curse of the goat? No, the goat was Chicago. No, no. The curse of the Bambino. That being Bambino, yes. Yeah. That's... They traded Babe Ruth in 1918, and ever since then, they lost their best pitcher and hitter. Hmm. Yeah. Well, he certainly turned it around. I think that was yeah. the year of Big Poppy, wasn't it? Yeah, he had that big turnaround with the Yankees and hit the, they were down 3-0 and came back four wins in a row and the greatest comeback in sports history. And Big Poppy was a big part of that. Yep. Yep. And the biggest letdown from a Miami native, Alex Rodriguez. Sure. Who I thought should never have been a Yankee, but he was. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So Tom, how have you been, man? It has been, it has been a while. Yeah, it's been a long while. I think, you know, for a matter of fact, I was looking through, my wife's going through some uh, old pictures and and, and, and given little packaged pictures for all of our children. And uh, there was a picture of Marv holding my now 30-year-old son as a baby <laughs> in one of them. And I said, hey, there's Marvin right there. And that was, uh, uh, well, 30 plus years ago, or about 30 years ago on the dot. Wow. Yeah. So I think it was about a year or two ago that, now forgive me, I may mess this up, um, your daughter or somebody emailed me because you were having a special birthday that they wanted to do a bunch of surprises with, and she found me and said I was a good friend from college, and I responded, and then never heard from her again. Wow. Yeah. The aspirations of my kid that never got followed through on, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know about that. So the, uh, it was probably my daughter. Um, although it could have been my son, Corbin, who again, no, you was a daughter. I remember it was a female and, uh, yeah, only she... daughter then. Okay. And I can't remember if she emailed or called. I, for some reason, I think it was a phone call. And yeah. then she was supposed to email me something so that I could send stuff, send pictures or whatever. And, yeah. So I, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I had no idea she even did it and, and it never happened. So <laughs> the party never happened. Yeah. So, so no big celebration. I think it was, God, so it must've been three years ago if it was 50. No, I'm 57. Okay. And then, uh, so it was, uh, definitely not that, but it might've been, I don't know what, I don't know what might've been maybe our, um, if it was a year it was could have five. been an anniversary, maybe? Yeah, it could have been an anniversary. We've been married 31 years, so it could have been. Okay, for the, for the 30th. Yep. That yep. could have been it. 
that might have been it. So we've been we've been loving each other for thirty one years here. Yep, and yep. the lovely Shannon. Yes, absolutely. Also attended Palm Beach Atlantic with us. Right, absolutely, and um, yeah, she uh, um, she's a cancer survivor and um, went through a lot of chemo, and we walked through those years together. But yeah, Shannon been a great wife and mom and now she's my administrator at the church that we have here in massachusetts mm, so yeah. another couple working together yeah so yeah, i get to sleep with the secretary yes i i do too <laughs> <laughs> there you go right can't, can't code it any better than that yeah, that's right that's right oh my goodness um what else came up that i was um Oh, Dave. Um, oh, nobody's last name. Just it's Miller. Dave Miller. Right. Yeah, found me on the Facebook. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Yeah. Dave is. Uh, yeah. He and I stayed in touch. For a matter of fact, when I was in uh, seminary in Orlando, he lived with us um, for a couple of years when we had a couple of young kids, Corbin and Kayla, our two oldest. And Dave, uh, even post Palm Beach Atlantic was. Um, resided with us for a period of time so we stayed more in touch even post palm beach atlantic for a while because i was in the orlando area at the time and that's where he lives okay yeah yep so so i always tell the story that um and i put it in the description for our show tonight that i escaped kathy dorm (laughs) yeah i saw this only to move to our house on and I keep, I know somebody told me this and I keep forgetting it was either Florida street or Georgia street, Georgia, Georgia street. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And we thought it was, I mean, it was a great house. Sure enough. I uh, thought it was a great neighborhood, you know, just <laughs> a block or two off of Dixie or uh, whatever. Yep. And it was a neighborhood where you could watch your stolen TV walk down the street. Yeah. yeah I remember that moment very well. I've told that as a illustration while preaching even, but. Yeah, that was a that was memorable. We were the thing that's really amazing about that is I was home when it happened. So I'm up in our rooms which were up on the second floor and the TV was there when I went in, went up to my room, came back down, TV was gone. And I was like, I just got robbed while I was home. And I won't I don't know if you remember the details of what happened, but um the uh, it was so. What I remember is yeah. was his name Billy. Who was the other guy that lived with us? Um, yeah, Bill Bond didn't live with us then. Um, okay, well, then okay. So yeah. somebody who did came in and was like, "I think I saw our TV walking down the street." <laughs> All I could see is you going. It was right here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Then we went running around the neighborhood with bats trying to find the culprit, but never succeeded. And and. Uh, recovering my tv like good christian boys we were out for <laughs> yeah we were out for vengeance enough vengeance is the lord's no way I, I want some blood right now the uh yeah for a matter of fact i thought you had borrowed the tv for like some sort of youth event or whatever and i was like hey marvin you take this you know so it was bad anyway mm, yeah so those were the days we were there for a couple a year and a half or two years i don't remember yeah well i would yeah until i Till I got married, graduated and got married two days after graduation. So that's how long we were there. So I, I think you might have been out before that. Yeah, I 
I remember going out west yeah. to a place, and I don't understand why I went so far west. I mean, right. It was like 20 minutes to drive to school. and uh, Well, you know, having uh, the – I can remember this. Another one was when Dave Anderson moved in with us. We had uh, um, some – I think they were Mexican people living about three houses down and they had a tendency to get a little lively when they had their parties yep. and they shot off a gun in their property and he dove on the ground thinking we're getting shot at. And so our neighborhood was pretty wild. Never mind some other things that went on there that um, like obviously yeah. drug dealing and et cetera. But. Yeah. You didn't want to be walking about after dark. No. It was not the place to be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you were. You, you certainly would have been uh, uh, visited for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious! So those were the days. So Palm Beach Atlantic, which is now a university, mm -hmm. and uh, pretty good place. Have you have you seen it lately? Oh, uh, probably been about five years. Okay. Um, but yeah, the campus is. Oh, beautiful. Become amazing. Yeah, the complete, you know, hell and heaven in terms of contrast from when we were there to now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It, I, I keep wanting to find somebody over there that will let me go and take a tour and document it. And, and oh, wow. That. So, I think, uh, I think it's about time for that because I'm not going to be able to make it till our time capsule gets unearthed. <laughs> right. And, uh, but it would be cool for you. You were the uh, president of our class, and uh, and I, I remember that. And uh, um, so you have some. I have some great memories. I can remember when we determined that wasn't going to be smoking on campus, or or you know the committee. You remember this? <laughs> yes, I remember that. I think you were interviewed by some Australian TV reporter that actually came because it was such an alarming thing to not have you know, smoking inside buildings, which is now like ubiquitous. It's like yeah, everybody it, doesn't allow yeah, it. Yeah, everybody. We were the yeah. first you we were the, the you, first school in the country. Yeah, and you were the pioneer that led the way to what America became, which yep. is a, no smoking indoors. Yep, so I got interviewed by them, and we had an article in the magazine Campus Life. I don't right. know if you remember that magazine. Yeah, sure enough, yeah. Yeah, so I remember that, and yeah, it would be cool to see the, uh, you know, if you had actually, which you probably have some shots of old buildings and et cetera, so if you did a montage of before and after, if you took a tour of the campus, like, what used to stand here, is, this is where we played basketball, but now it's a, whatever, I don't even know what's there anymore, but. I don't know. Yeah. Between, between so no smoking. Yeah. Bringing Coke onto campus. Yes, I mean, these these were the big the, the big uh, student government initiatives of the day, right? And and I was thoroughly pleased because I was not a Pepsi guy. So anyway, that was a great move. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and and now I I'll advertise a little bit. So there I you still, go. I still do it. All right. Any representative of Coke want to sponsor the show? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll try again, please. All right. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. You know what? It is amazing. Some memories that people have, there is stuff that I don't remember. And I, I remember 
the smoking thing, but I don't remember a lot of the details. Like I did not remember that it was an Australian company that came and interviewed me. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a worldwide event. Like it was that big of a news event where that, that happened. Yep. And uh, yeah, my relationship with Palm Beach Atlantic uh, from, uh, let me think, 2001 to 2008, I was an adjunct professor at the Orlando campus for Palm Beach Atlantic. Oh, really? Yeah. So that so that in 2007, um, I won a Teacher of the Year award or whatever. So that, in that year, I went down to the campus and saw it even at its um, advanced state in 2007 never mind now with all the facilities and sports stuff and all that kind of stuff okay how did i not know that yeah because i who knows orlando campus and maybe they didn't want anybody to know and now everybody knows who knows that's true i didn't know there was an orlando campus yep still there okay sorry making notes here so that uh if I do get to document stuff, I can go back and verify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tom's fantasy life, not really true. All right. Oh, my goodness. So I did actually think that you were going to be a teacher, professor, or something like that. That just seems like a natural thing for you. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've been told um, along the way as a, as a pastor of local churches that um, I might be better suited at that. I just filled out a report for a network of churches that we're a part of in North America. And one of the things is uh, recommend a book to the network, you know, that you've read. And I'm like, why do you guys do this? Because I read like a crazy amount of books. I said, I've probably read 30 since our last meeting. And you want me to recommend a book. That's just not fair. But yeah, I um, I love teaching. And we actually have a university in our church that uh, gives uh, ministry degrees that's accredited and all that kind of stuff. So it's built into the leadership development in our church. So I get to get my, you know, teaching hat on and, and use my gifts in that area. So. Um, all right. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the church? I know that when uh, my research team was going out and looking up stuff, we found your pictures from your, your YouTube series. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm assuming that that came about because of COVID. And yeah, we weren't online at all. And we had been in the process of developing it and seeking grant money to actually have a decent set of equipment to do it without it being cheesy and et cetera. Um, but when COVID hit and we all got shut down and in the, you know, the semi-communist state of Massachusetts, the restrictions were pretty rigid. Uh, so we said we got to we got to get online fast. So our IT guys worked real diligently, and the first few of them were actually on a guy's a camera that does video. We put it on a tripod, and I stood in the corner of our second location. We have a downtown church, and uh, we so we filmed there until we could be in the building at our other location, and then we started doing and we set up a camera on the wall and got better equipment and started doing it there. So you'd notice if the early YouTube incredible sermons that everybody should watch the um, where the background was like the corner with the sign and then it switched to, you know, church. So anyway, so yeah, COVID caused uh, uh, the online streaming and we still have people that can't come out 
you know, older people that Massachusetts says you really shouldn't be in public places and all that kind of stuff. So, so it's, it's beneficial for them. All right. And it's called the chapel, but there's a longer name, right? Yes. So historically, uh, it was named Bethany Bible Chapel because a church in an adjacent town called Bethany Baptist Church started it 50 something years ago. So whenever anybody asked about our church, they say, oh, you're the church in Gardner. And I'd be like, no, we're not the church in Gardner. We're the one in our town, Wingenden, Mass. And uh, so growing tired and weary of that exchange, I said, we're going to brand ourselves differently and we're going to get the Bethany Bible out and just call ourselves the chapel. So that's the evolution of how we came up with that name. And we found a good logo that kind of made it look better than the cheesy, just square letters. So that's, that's it. And then we have a, we have a location called the chapel spring street. And we have another one called the chapel downtown, which is very different uh, forms of, gathering as a church so it's a saturday evening service around a meal the teaching is uh uh you know conversational it's not like a preacher up front preaching a thing and it's engaging a different population in our community so anyway that's where i'm sitting in the offices in our downtown church so three locations makes it sound like a pretty big church yeah two locations two locations yep um, yeah, so not at all. We're not a big church. We're a church of a little over a hundred people. Um, we've had a couple bumps in the road recently, which is kind of classic. You probably smile a little bit that there's been conflict that's created stuff. But anyway, <coughs> the, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? Right. So, um, but you know, yeah, no, we're, we've got a big vision in a small church and we are going to start churches like this one in downtown in uh, similar towns. There's a lot of downtowns in uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire that are smaller 10 to 20,000 person towns that have these old mill town downtowns that are all um, used to be where the business and thriving happened, but isn't anymore. Right. And, uh, but the population of the town still centers around that area. So we're going to start churches like this one in in those surrounding towns. So that's why we have the ministry school and leadership development. So we're training pastors to start those churches. So, yeah, so you would think it's, you know, a big church, multiple locations, but uh, but it's not. Well, if you're doing what it sounds like, you're, you know, spreading and doesn't all have to be under one roof. Right. And that's what we're doing. We're multiplying and uh, and hopefully with uh, other leaders. Um, leading those other locations down the road, which is uh, at least a plan that we have anyway. All right. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, I was trying to find, I had to rush tonight. I worked late. So yeah, I'm still at the office. So I didn't get to load all the stuff I had. I had uh, found a couple of things I wanted to ask you about in terms of um, the music at the church because it looked like you guys had some uh, concerts or stuff that also aired on the YouTube. Um, what else? Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have some pretty simple music. We got a guy that plays the guitar um, and, uh, and we have a couple other people that when he's traveling, they'll 
lead worship. But, um, and then if we're out, you know, if those people are all vacationing, which happens in a very big way in New England, because the summer months are where everybody travels and vacations because you get a lot of snow. And uh, so people, uh, you know, vacation during the summer and they're gone a lot. So we could have both of our music teams vacationing at the same time. Then we have to just go completely video. Mm. So maybe you were observing us. Well, here's what happened. So yeah. my research team must have messed up. <laughs> there was a Bethany Gospel Chapel in yeah. Worcester, Mass. Yeah, that's definitely not us. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah, that was not you. And then yeah. I had the chapel downtown. Yep. And then uh, Spring Street. Right, that's us. Correct. All right. Okay, so stop looking at bad notes. Yes. <laughs> that, that creating questions that I'll just say no. <laughs> oh, hey, this ain't a professional podcast, by all means. <laughs> no. Tom Brokaw ain't here. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. But it's good to be here, though, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, we actually, another aspect, if you wanted me to talk more about the, the work we're doing here in New England, we just uh, uh, developed a relationship with a group of like-minded churches that are going to collaborate together in a collective to, you know, work, walk alongside each other as small churches to start churches. So yep. that just started. It's called the North Central Collective. So we're in the North Central part of Massachusetts. So we just wanted to name it the North, you know, so we called it the North Central Collective, which is a group of like-minded churches that are committed to uh, bringing the gospel presence to more places in order to reach more people through proclaiming the truth about Jesus. So we just launched that and uh, we actually have a meeting tomorrow of the leaders of those churches that uh, are trying to work out the details of that. I'm the, I'm the kind of the lead coach of that. I was going to say, this sounds like something you would have put together. This is something I took about three years of working with these guys to get to the place where we finally had all the leaders come to a big luncheon barbecue uh, and everybody it was going to be a serve a barbecue and, but we can't do that in Massachusetts. So we had to have everybody bring their own Brown bag, but we have a large open space behind our spring street church with a pavilion. So we met there and all the leaders came and we just announced the beginning of this and had a Q and a and, our our denominational leader was here just expressing his excitement around uh, our, us working together and trying to bring other churches to work together to uh, share more about Jesus. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that sounds right up your alley because that's something again with, you know, the teaching ability that I saw you having while at PBA, the ability that you had to find a way to bring people together and, you know, be kind to one another and all of these things. I, something I wasn't really that good at. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, you were a good leader though. I don't know if I, um, I, uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll affirm those aspects of my gifting and leadership and, um, and, you know, God's been gracious and, uh, seeing us bring this uh, group together and, and beginning to do something that a lot of churches aren't willing to do, like work together to accomplish more because we're 
you know, churches can be territorial and worried about certain things that are really not something they ought to be concerned about. But anyway, so we've gotten past that and we've written out covenant relationship rules that address those realities to make sure that, you know, we're operating in a way that honors God and advances the gospel as a, as a group. Um, so uh, we've taken care of any of those kind of concerns, but pretty excited about that. I, I'm, I'm definitely a, a big thinker in a little world and I'm always wanting to build. So um, if I'm not building, I'm restless. And uh, so, you know, we're part of a North American group of uh, churches again, that we work together at a, at a national level to bring um, churches committed to the way of Christ and his apostles uh, and just really a restoring of the church to the, uh, to the principles that we see in the New Testament early on that have long been lost and forgotten, I think. But so we've been doing that here for a little over 10 years and our church has gone through a great transformation and a lot of growth and maturity in people. So we're deep, but we're not uh, numerically wide. Doesn't have to be about the numbers. No, it's not. Jesus started with 12. That's right. And they, they multiplied a lot. For yeah. matter of fact, I would contend they never got big. And that's part of why they grew so well. But yeah. Reminds me of, um, I don't know why this always sticks with me. So I don't know if it was our junior year or maybe it was the beginning of the senior year. You got hooked on this book called The Master's Men. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. John MacArthur. And uh, for yeah. some reason, I don't remember if we created a little study about that and went through chapter by chapter talking about, you know, the different, you know, disciples and their background and all of that. But it was for some reason that always sticks with me as, you know, a way to remember, you know, for some reason, churches today kind of mythologize the new Testament Mm. and deter from what it actually really was and understanding the circumstances around the 12 disciples. Sure. And, you know, thinking that these were all, you know, holier than thou types of men when really they were guys just like you and me, you know, it would be the same, you know, picking us out to go do stuff as it was to pick them out. You know, they weren't, you know, they weren't the cleanest cuts. They weren't the best speakers. They weren't the polished, you know, they were just average jokes. Right. With personality quirks, that whole study gets into the different likely ways that they related and um, the relationships. Yeah, I remember that study. You know, you know, there's a Greek word, which I know you know a little long forgotten, maybe. But uh, anyway, the uh, a term that is. Uh, used to describe uh, the disciples is the word we get idiots from today. It's idiotes, which means that they were not literate. They weren't these scholars and these superstars. They were the idiotes uh, that were the ones that led and uh, to this amazing movement called Christianity. So, uh, so you're right. You're you're spot on. They they weren't the superstars. They were uh, just humble followers of Jesus, and uh, that's what made them great. Yeah. Just to tie things in here, 
I still have my Greek New Testament, and I still have the, uh, oh, it's not the thesaurus. I've got my big, um, the translator book. Yeah. Uh, there's three books I kept, and uh, the lexicon and all that stuff that yeah, yeah. I decided to get back into it and uh, to read the Greek and follow in the, in the footsteps of our the great Dr. Reed. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, I will never forget that man. I won't share some of the stories that you know would, uh, but uh, yeah, I remember Doctor Reed and and uh, um, for matter of fact, uh, he was a little bit on the concern side that my wife wanted to date me because he wasn't sure about my character. So he <laughs> said to Shannon, who was in our Greek class, uh, "You sure you want to be dating this dude?" and and she's like, yeah, he's awesome, you know, kind of thing. And he's like, I don't know. So anyway, I'd like to have a conversation with him about that one day. Wow. So that, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that, that, that's, um, that's, uh, that's a memory. And, and for a matter of fact, I remember, and he's reached out to me recently, uh, Darren Saley, who's an old friend of uh, mine and he was in Greek class and uh, he was a surfer as was Dr. Reed. So they would surf before class yeah. at like eight in the morning. And I can remember sitting next to Darren and he would bend over and water come rushing out his nose and wet his, you know, Greek translation. At least that was his excuse for why he couldn't read his answers. Yep. And Dr. Reed had to say, oh, okay, that's all right, Darren. Cause he was the one surfing with him at five 30 in the morning. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Oh. And, uh, yeah. So he was a, he was a great guy though. He was a good teacher and uh and, and helpful and getting us moving along in that world of Greek. Well, I'm going to put him on the list to find. So yeah, he would be great to catch up with. Cause I don't know if you know this, but he uh, followed me up to, well, he didn't follow me, but he was also up in the town of Wake Forest. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, taught uh, Greek up there for, I don't know if he was there all three years that I was there, but as soon as I saw his name on the, on the uh, course syllabus, I signed up for his classes. Sure. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, uh, and I went off to the liberal world of Massachusetts to Gordon Conwell. I can remember some of the conservative students at Palm beach Atlantic all worried about me going liberal. Cause I was going to this, uh, I think really good seminary, Gordon Conwell, but, um, and I didn't go to Southwestern or Northeastern to the Southern Baptist, you know, bastions of, conservatism mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah so um but anyway i survived i still love jesus and his word and and i'm not some liberal crazy dude like they were worried about so their prayers were answered well i will take the title of liberal crazy dude for you well, <laughs> although i'm not as liberal as people think so yeah yeah the, uh, so but, it was uh, and as a matter of fact when you were there in wake forest that's where we visited and you met my son and held him. Yeah, that's the picture I have in the in that dorm room or whatever. I don't. I must not have that picture. We'll have to you'll have to give me a copy. Yeah, I'll have to have Shannon scan it and send it to you. It's funny. I uh, so Kim, my wife. So whenever we do go through pictures, I have a couple of boxes that I've not organized. But I remember as we were going through them, there is probably twenty twenty five pictures of me holding people's babies. <laughs> and I don't know 
I don't know how that started, but that was one of those little traditions that every time somebody had a baby had to have a picture with Uncle Marv. Right. And, uh, and uh, well, I have pictures of you in my wedding because you were in my wedding, too. That Those I have. Yeah. OK. All right. Yep, those so, I have in the gray suit. Yep. Yeah. Remember that well. And I have a picture. I have volleyball pictures for some reason. Yeah. Well, we had a. You know what? What my uh, bachelor party was was a barbecue at the church I worked at when we had sand volleyball court right on the right on the campus because you know I had to have recreation and sports involved with anything I do. So that's what you had probably seen pictures of was us playing volleyball at the at the what's it called um, the party you have the day before the wedding, whatever that thing's called. So anyway, but we kept it cheap: barbecue, burgers, and dogs, and played volleyball and. Yeah. My brothers went off to places that I don't visit, never have. I won't. That's what they did for uh, during the night. Yeah. Yeah. So to each their own. <laughs> yeah. so, speaking of sports. Yes. So big into basketball when we were at PBA. Yeah. I, did you continue to play? I still play. You still play? Yeah. Um yeah, for a matter of fact, when I was in Orlando, I pastored in Apopka, Florida for five years. And uh, no, eight years. What am I saying? Whew. All right. And uh, so I was in a men's league and I uh, had a major knee injury, which ended my uh, season. But I was the uh, I was the leading scorer in this uh, men's league up until the point I ruptured my patellar tendon and, and was done for a year before I played again. But y'all, all my boys. And my daughter played in high school. I coached them. I played with them. And I still go out and play with my uh, youngest who just got married. He's 20. And my other son is going to be 23. And we still play together. So nice. I'm still nice. out there. Here's the old man. Get out of his way, you know, kind of thing. Don't hurt him. Yeah. I had to retire before that happened. And <laughs> so I was playing. It, I played in a couple of leagues. We had a lot of league tournaments down here. And I got to play with. A lot of, you know, ex-college players. Oh, wow. A um, couple of semi, you know, pro, um, like the the D-League, uh, a couple of guys played with us. And yeah. then we would have celebrities show up every now and then. Terry Porter from the Dolphins showed up. Um, um, oh, what is his name? It's gave me. So that's, uh, some, that's some serious basketball you were playing in then. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it was uh, – it was great because it was, you know, one of the things that I have always hated about recreation is just, you know, playing for fun. Yeah. You know, which, I mean, it's good, but when you've, when you've played competitively all your life, yeah, it's hard to play a game and not keep score. Sure. So that was a league where we could still do that. And um, Rip, Rip Hamilton is the name I was just thinking of. Yeah, he, came, yeah, yeah. he came and played with us uh, a couple of nights. And uh, my God, didn't look like much, <laughs> but you know why he's in the he was in the pros. Yeah, well, I played. You know, I when I was living in uh, uh, Orlando in a Popka area, we would go to the Winter Park Y, and Doc Rivers lived there. So I played with his son. I talked to okay. him. He plays in the NBA now, and that kid was good. Like, uh, so um, I know what you're saying. You wouldn't think they don't look like much. Then when the, you know you're standing there and they're six feet past you and you're like, how'd that happen? Yeah. You realize how good they are. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so that was something, but it got to the point where I was one of the fastest guys 
for a long time. Yeah. And at age 48, they made me cover the 24-year-old. <laughs> and I said, I, I got nothing left to prove. at that point i am i am not gonna you know i'm not gonna work that hard to play anymore now you had the knee injury so i i kind of skated through for a while but i almost had my eye poked out oh wow like hospital visit kind of thing or oh yeah oh yeah wow well that makes me think of a sports story i uh when i was candidating to be the pastor here um the next day I went golfing with my brother um, and I had hit a drive on the edge of the tree line, not in the woods, but on the edge of the tree line. And there were these pine trees that had all the roots kind of going up on the surface. So I hit this really, you know, I was trying to hit it like 240 yards. So I had a three iron out and I hit it. It hit the root like three feet in front of me, ricocheted off the root and hit my eye. Mm. And, and I, I went blind for like a week. And I still have nerve damage, like my my pupil doesn't close anymore. So oh. I've had a major eye injury. Not maybe get pokes in my eyeballs hanging out, but well, that's interesting because that's serious. Mine they thought was serious. So a guy had got his thumb in there, yeah, and they thought he had detached my retina. Oh man! So I had to wear a patch for a month. Oh, did you really? Yep. Wow. So Captain Bly for a month until. They were so everything yeah. kind of grew back in, and they didn't have yeah, to operate. Or funny, yeah, I mean, it was basically. Um, <laughs> so I remember on the floor, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm screaming, you know, because it hurt. Yeah. And um, so they, you know, they're like, "Take your eye out so we can see." And it was like, "All right." So I got my hand off, and they're like, "Okay, open your eye." And I'm like, "It is open." And they're like, "No, it's not." <laughs> oh no. So one of my buddies actually lived like two doors down from an eye specialist. So, you know, cause we played, it was, uh, we played on Tuesday nights, Thursday nights and Saturday mornings. Wow. So it was like eight o'clock at night. So they get me in the car and rush, rush to this guy's house, you know, two blocks down from my buddy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's got tools at his house and he's, you know, doing stuff and he's, you know, got the spoon and he's like, you know, do it. <laughs> it was just whenever he's like, "All right, you're good. Just uh, show up at my office in the morning and yeah, uh, something." But yeah, I, w- I mean, I was blind because it was blood filled the whole eye. They couldn't even look at the retina and the back of my eye for like five days because there was so much blood in the eye. Oh, and then, yeah. and then they did the examination, and they're like, "You're probably going to end up with some level of nerve damage." And and the result was that my pupil doesn't close so you know when i go in the sun i'm like squinting and that kind of thing people think you're winking at them yeah 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 <laughs> i have ladies looking at me weird whenever i'm blinking at them yep they, uh, so yeah so definitely involved with that coached the high school team and uh my boys went to and um uh, love love playing sports still all right just what i was gonna say real quick a uh, shout out to Miss Newby, who is uh, in the chat room, saying hello there. So I like to recognize people when they pop on. There you go. Show there. Their little two seconds of fame. That's pretty so, exciting. I, I, is that a friend of yours or someone from your past? If, yeah. Is, so Carla is from my high school days. Okay. Yeah. Adelaide High School. Yeah. And uh, 
the satellite people seem to be the most active in the podcast. Sure. I don't know so, why. So I don't know if anybody's asked this, but I'll be inappropriate and ask it. Go right ahead. Or on the edge of like getting. So you've got to be getting some crap about Uncle Marv. Actually, no. None? Wow. Why would, why would that be? Well, they got to take Uncle out of Uncle Ben's, and they got to take you know, Uncle out of all that. So you're calling yourself Uncle Marv, and I'm surprised that somebody hasn't I, given you a... You know what? That's interesting. Nobody's ever brought that up, and I I suspect that people would be afraid to. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and here I am throwing myself under the bus here, right? Yeah. So uh, it has been an interesting time. Yeah. And- uh, it's, uh, I don't even know what to say half the time because listen, things have been happening our entire lives. And there are things that I've shared with people off air in some private discussions. Sure. That, uh, it is a, it is a strange time we're in only because it's weird now to finally see people standing up and saying what is wrong. Sure. We've known to be wrong for years, but at the same time, I mean, my wife had a situation on the plane flying home yesterday. There are some people of color who are just ruining it for the rest of us. Sure. And it goes both ways. And, you know, the things that are being done that, Make it like, why would you do that? We've we've made such great progress. Yep. Well, stop. Yep. You know, it's uh, without going into too much details. That's I'm conflicted because I, you know, I came out and and you know did a black black man talking podcast. I've hosted a couple of just you know, um, diversity groups, yep. uh, both personal and on the business side. But for the last month, I've just had to kind of back off because, you know, I can't let my anger, you know, come out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and you've got some history and I know some of it and I understand it totally. And um, I admire you for your uh, character amidst the, the, the evil that we're discussing in a indirect way. So right. um, it's one of my points of, admiration i've actually talked about you and in, in sermons around the whole idea of justice and um and uh and how much uh well my great love for you and uh knowing that you know you've suffered um but um no person should ever have suffered and uh so anyway you've been in there you know along the way so if you i don't know what year or day but uh you know marvin b's been mentioned by me on a couple occasions. We're going to have to talk about that off air because that's, yeah. that's interesting. Did yeah. not know that. Yeah. 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 So but of course now I'm thinking, okay, which events? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it's not like the only one I know. Right. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. You've got to scroll, brrr, you know, I can roll it right out. I, I'm yep. sure of that. Yeah. So uh, it was, uh, it was interesting. You know, one of the things is, so, You know, you mentioned, you know, people giving me grief about Uncle Marv. I really never got that. Mm. And, you know, early on, it was always, you can't be an uncle. You don't, you don't have any, you know, family to have, you know, nieces or nephews. Well, now I do. 
And it's funny because they're all white. (laughs) When I'm out with them and, you know, the kids are yelling, Uncle Marv, Uncle Marv, and seeing the looks on other people's faces. um, Trying to calculate it out and going, what? Yep. A year ago, it would be funny to talk about. Yeah. You know, the last six months, not so much. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, everybody gets that. You know, when you have an intimate relationship with somebody, even if you aren't biologically related, you get called uncle. Like we have close friends where their kids would call me Uncle Tom, but there's no biological relationship, but there just was an affinity in a relationship. And so I'm their uncle, but there's no relationship biologically there. Right. And you being such a cool guy, I'm sure people, you know, Call you Uncle Marv. Hey, there's Uncle Marv, and it isn't just merely biological because of who you are. Yeah, so, yeah. It's uh, interesting. So yeah. you brought up that that topic. Is that something that um, you've addressed recently in the church? You know, with uh, talking about those situations, or were these like years ago that it just came up? No, years ago. Uh, not recently. Uh, the, the rhetoric is so, you know, right now to speak into it uh, can be challenging, like so easily nuanced to be heard wrong. I've kind of withdrawn from addressing it uh, publicly in the past few months, although I have ramped up my studies and reading certain um, uh, books and histories that I hope will be helpful in addressing it when, the again, the intensity of the rhetoric isn't going to be distorted and and misunderstood. I want to advance, uh, you know, righteousness and justice and goodness. Uh, and even in how I teach and lead people that I shepherd and people that might be looking in. And, uh, and I felt it wise to not join in the, uh, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, what is it? A fad kind of guy, like the thing you have to say, so you should say it. I want it to be genuine from me. Like I care about this issue, but I don't want to ever fall into the, it's the fad. It's the thing I got to say Like, why weren't you saying it a year ago? Like, why weren't you saying it three years ago? Right. Now you, now you must, why, you know, that doesn't sound very genuine to me. Yes. And I, I'm on the opposite of that where people who were, you know, and part of me wants to say insensitive, or blind or didn't think it was a big deal who now all of a sudden, you know, want to, you know, politically correctly talk to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like draw things out and, you know, to a point of ad nauseum, I'm like, look, you didn't care about these things before. And I can tell in the way that you're asking me, or the way you're telling me I need to be. <laughs> yeah. That's what annoys me. It's like, look, I've been black all my life. Right. <laughs> you know, I've already dealt with these things all my life. This isn't a new revelation to me. Right. And just because you're all of a sudden, you know, woke to the situation, you're going to explain it to me? Right. I don't think so. Right. No, I, I uh, it's been a fascinating history in my life, at least having such a good friend that is black and that I care about and love, uh, that obviously we haven't been 
geographically close and being able to stay connected to. But uh, that, uh, you know, that even what I know and observed in minimal ways when we were together in college years ago and uh, in that community, conservative, mainly uh, Anglo white community. But anyway, uh, so I, uh, um, so I've refrained. I appreciate you asking the question, but that's the reason why I've, I've refrained. I don't want, I'm not a, I err on the side of not being following a fad. So when they were doing the 40 days of this and the prayer of that and whatever, I'm like, well, were we passionate about prayer before? Why do we need a book that so-and-so wrote to make us pray now? You know? So anyway, that's been my personal soapbox that I'm not going to do the fad thing and jump in on something and the danger of it in terms of the uh, rhetoric and being misunderstood. Right. Um, and if people know me, which people, if they're watching online, wouldn't really know me and I'm speaking to an issue, it, it would resonate. They know my character. They know my history. They know my life. And, and, uh, and then it would be understood in that context. And if it's not in that context, I could be easily misunderstood. So right. Well, I can tell you this. One of the things that I have enjoyed about doing these shows is it gives me a chance to relive what has made things great with people. And, you know, the people that I went to high school and college with and even those years of darkness in Wake Forest, yeah. you know. <laughs> You know, me talking to you all these years later is really no different than you and I back then. And, right. You know, the the character that you have and the fact that, you know, when I talked to the sense of you being a teacher and you, you know, being a leader, that's exactly what you're doing because that's who you were back then. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, what I've always known you to be. You haven't, you know, you know. You may have, you know, swung to the right or to the left as you go down the path, but the path has always been pretty straight. Yeah. If you look at, you know, getting from point A to point B, a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. And wander aimlessly and their character is all over the place. And one of the things that I've been finding out with people that I've talked with is at least from my perspective, the people that I've been friends with and people I didn't know I was friends with because I'm finding out that they're, you know, I'm hearing good things about the fact that for the most part, you know, I was a decent enough guy, yeah, you know, to, you know, not have, you know, I could, you know, if this were a situation where I was a, you know, an idiot all my life, you know, people would be, you know, just talking crap about me. Yeah, sure. You know. Yeah, we'd be seeing comments underneath, like, <laughs> whatever, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Remember when you did this, you jerk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was certainly not the case, for sure. And uh, um, so it's, uh, I tell you, your mannerisms are killing me, man. You have the same facial mannerisms that you had i mean i'm I'm flashing back to like you know yeah, really. 80 yeah oh yeah you, it's amazing i'm sure i do too but it's uh it's amazing we carry you know we're talking about character and and uh you know commitment and you know our giftings and abilities and 
and uh, but even how we give expression physically, you you have the little lip twitch thing, and it's just making it so endearing. Like I'm looking at, it, I'm going, man, I I just I love Marvin. It's Marvin, man. This is awesome. So uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you know, what's funny is there are times where I'm like, I'll go back and watch myself. I'm like, oh man, I got to yeah. stop. <laughs> yeah, but I've been doing it so long. Right, I know. And I, I had I had this early tick that I didn't know I had when I was up front speaking. So I had uh, this spot on the back of my head. Most of my hair has turned gray now. And that's, you know, why I've been in ministry for 30 years. I ought to have like white, you know, I should be dead. No, um, is uh, I had a little spot on the back of my head. And whenever I would get nervous, I'd put my hand back and I'd start itching it right in the middle of speaking. Like I, I was at a conference I'm speaking at. So one time, so Shannon's like, listen, you got to stop these two ticks. Like, they're so annoying. And uh, so anyway, at least I broke those two. I probably have like 50 others that she's willing to deal with. But that one was the worst. And another one was I would always go to like my, my nose and I and she's like, that's really disgusting. You really got to cut that one out. So <laughs> two, so I got I broke those for the most part. And uh, anyway, so but we are, you know, God is uh shaped us and made us who we are and um and uh so we have these things that are pretty consistent uh even you there it goes again you're doing it <laughs> i love it so and uh yeah so so what i, I want to ask you a question like what so the impetus behind uh, or the motivation behind uh, the the podcast was mainly um just capturing some history of life and kind of a cathartic uh thing for you too or it's a weird thing so you know there were times you know when i left school and stuff so i don't know if you remember i i you know wrote the paper um for a i don't know four or five years and that was my way of you know back before internet and facebook and yep. myspace and all that stuff it was a way to get the news out about what's been happening and sharing stories and it was a way to kind of have a little community. Um, so I would do that. And when I, when I got back to Florida and I kind of went into my cocoon hmm. and I met Kim and, you know, we would grow up and every now and then she's like, you know, you need to, you need to do something. You need to get back in touch with these people. You need, and it was always kind of like, okay, okay. And I, you know, do one person here or there. and then life would get in the way. Sure. You know, you'd get busy family things and work. And, you know, before you know it, six months have gone by and I, and I talk to somebody and say, okay, we're going to stay in touch and we're going to, you know, and then like three years had gone by and I'm like, Oh crap. I didn't, (laughs) didn't do what I said I was going to do. So, so I had been doing this podcast from the tech community for the last several years. And it kind of has been growing in me. I'm like, I should do a personal podcast and could never really figure out, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Yeah. Of course, you know, the podcast world is like, you've got to have this show when you've got to monetize it and you've got to, you know, make a career out of podcasting. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want to do. I just want to find a way to make it a regular thing to talk with people. And bringing the component of talking to people that 
not only would work with me, but something that I could share with everybody else about the friendships and, you know, the history that we all share. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's going to be people that, you know, the last show I did with uh, Becky Brunette, you know, she was at a point in her life where she was willing to talk about an event, you know, that was hard Mm. and it was a way for her to share and to, you know, get some feelings out and, you know, let people know the things that are happening in her life. Now she would have done it, you know, eventually she would have, you know, she shared some stuff on Facebook and, and all of that stuff. But, you know, I wanted to go deeper than Facebook. You know, deeper than just putting something in a post that you don't get all the details, you don't get all the nuances. Sure. And I thought, what better way than just to do a podcast and have people come on and we'll we'll share stories. Yeah. We'll share history. And if there's, you know, important announcements or whatever, this will just that'll be the show. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll probably have to do this to make sure I don't get chastised for missing out. So I have four kids. Um, they're all <laughs> awesome. Uh, my youngest just got married about uh, three months ago, so he's a newlywed. Um, he's an emerging leader in our church, and his wife's awesome. And uh, my next son in age is Calvin, and he's actually become a student in our ministry school here. And and my daughter, Kayla, who lives in Orlando, and then my son, Corbin, lives in Orlando, and Corbin has a business there, and Kayla's a physical therapy assistant. And um, So I've been blessed with a great uh, four kids. Uh, each each kid grew in size when Shannon was uh, carrying them, and the youngest ended up being uh, ele- a little over 11 and a half pounds. Sh- Shannon took some serious uh, damage on from that one. She delivered them. Mm. And, and the nurses and doctors were all visiting the room like, who's the lady who delivered the, you know, the monster the other day and whatever. So, so, uh, so anyway, I talk a little bit about my kids and, and the blessing of being able to raise uh, them and um, still have them in our life. And so that, that's, uh, so I got that done. I'm no chastisement right. to come. Well, it's funny because I was thinking, okay, four, I, for some reason, Calvin was the last one I knew about. So obviously we've not see, we've not stayed in touch enough for me to know that. That's right. And I'm glad that we've connected in this way and hopefully more than a promise that turns into three years passing that we stay in touch and, and uh, revisit even more things than a, you know, uh, uh, an hour or so of a podcast that um, grants us. Cause uh, again, you, you, you have a meaningful place deep in my life, in my heart, and you always have, and and uh, time and distance don't take that away. I haven't talked to Dave Miller in ten years, and but still, you know, holds that place and that significance and importance in in my life with Dave and um, and you know you amongst them, the good college buddies that um, were really important in my life. Well, another reason for doing the show is there are people that have a place in our memories. That we say, you know, in our minds, we're going to go back and we're going to, you know, rekindle or nurture or touch base or, and we don't. Yeah, I know. And this was a way for me to say, okay, you know what? 
I'm going to do this and I, I'm, it's going to be a concerted effort to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I'm, I'm trying, you know, not to be pushy. So I don't, you know, it's not like I've got a list and I'm just, you know, knocking them out. Um, it does still have to be a little bit organic. It has to be, you know, the right time for everybody. And some people aren't going to come on. Some people don't feel comfortable doing this. Yeah. yeah. But, but even so, we're still going to get the conversations going. And part of it, too, is one of the things that so Kim came along. I don't want to say late in life. It wasn't that late. But, um, you know, she didn't know me through, you know, high school, college, grad school. Right. She met me, you know, I was 25, 24 when I met her. Wow. And she didn't move down to Florida, you know, until I was 30. So there's a big chunk of my life that she's only heard about. Yep. Sure enough. You know, she hears the stories and then she'll look at me and go, really? That was you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so she, now she gets to see the characters that are part of the story. Right. And so that's another thing that I wanted to do was, you know, for me to be able to tell people what place they hold in my memory mm-hmm. and in some sense for people to tell me because I'll get snippets here and there. Yeah. And, you know, some of them, are, some of them are just, you know, funny stories that, you know, Marvin B did this for me. Yeah. 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 But it's something so that she will know what I did because I did a lot, you know, yeah, between yeah. sports and student government and junior achievement. I mean, I, you know, yeah, there's a lot well, of good memories there. Sure enough. Definitely. I can remember you going off on those junior achievement things that I had no inkling about what it was, but I discovered a little bit about it, you know, through knowing you were involved with that. So. That, that's pretty cool. Yep. Um, for sure. The um um uh, yeah, actually I'm gonna be down in uh Florida next week. I'm going to visit my uh son and daughter in Orlando area, so I'll be visiting your state. So normally I would say first of all, you have to let me know because we'll have to make a visit, but we're still we're still idiots down here in Florida with the coronavirus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you don't want to be up here. I can tell you that. It's idiots times 10 up here. So, mm. um, and kind of shepherding and guiding people on, you know, the varying uh, ends of the spectrum on how you deal with it. Like, uh, so someone could uh, ask me, hey, Pastor, why weren't you wearing a mask on that Pat podcast? I was like, oh, I was in my office by myself. I mean, you know, I'm, uh, I got it over here on my side. But anyway, so it's been a pretty, um, unique period of time to say the least and uh and traveling and then i'll have to take a test so i don't have to quarantine when i get back because you guys are one of the hot spot states that massachusetts has identified and uh, so i'm surprised they're letting you travel to florida yeah well you have to sign a form and you know when i come back in the stormtroopers are probably going to come and surround me or whatever but we'll we'll see how it goes mm. yeah the uh so you so your shirt is your business right yes it is so, how's that going for you your business is flourishing i hope and business is good yeah um you know for some reason i got lucky in choosing a business that right now everybody needs their computer 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and I did a focus on the business side of they've definitely got to have their computers. Sure. You know, if, if people can't work, they can't bill, you know, so that has been good. Uh, most of my clients are law firms. Okay. And attorneys, regardless of what their practice is, they consider themselves essential. So they all worked, <laughs> even though some of them probably shouldn't have. So they worked. I got paid. So that, that nice. uh, was really good for us. In fact, so my bank is Wells Fargo. <laughs> they called today. Yeah. And I don't understand this. This is the second time they've called to ask if we need anything. And they just wanted to make sure that they were there for us and wanted to see how we were doing during the COVID. And I said, we're doing just fine. Yeah. Like, are you sure? Do you, do you not need a PPP? Do you not need I'm like, No, no. I run my business good enough that um, hopefully I'll never need to, uh, to call you guys when, when we need money. Right. Sure enough. Yeah. I, uh, it's interesting. You mentioned attorneys and law firms. So uh, this guy I met recently, he's a, he's a writer and he writes uh, blogs and uh, ghost writes for different things. So mainly most of his business is he writes blogs for attorneys as a ghost writer, which I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like you write them and the attorney puts them on his blog site. Like he wrote them. Oh, I didn't yeah. even know it existed. So he's that, like, yeah, I, I said, I just finished up a year long contract with, you know, he didn't name the law firm, but I was like, that's cracking me up. Yeah. Big business. It's, it's basically, um, it's, it's a marketing thing that started where they would supply the content material. So half the posts on Facebook, half those advertisements, um, half the things, they're all created content by somebody else. Right. Not the, not the person that's the face of the law firm or whatever. Yeah. I had no idea. I mean, I knew there were ghostwriters in books, like, you know, authors that uh, aren't really the authors, you know, they, they, you know, their main framework or ideas. And then, uh, you know, a ghostwriter actually fills in the framework and yeah, you never know it. You could have, you could have a weekly, you know, blog written for you, I'm sure. Right. I know. Hey, what are you saying? I can't do it? No. Yeah. You can't read 30 books a month and blog. Right. I know. I know. I got to I got to shift to the writing side of things because I do want to produce instead of read all the time. But so that'll be the next time I'll motivate myself and I'll come back on and share uh, uh, hopefully the completion of a book I've written. Um, so didn't did you start to write a book at PBA? I've started about 25 books. Yeah. And, uh, and I never, you know, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, it's been revealing actually. It's, uh, so as you, as you grow and mature and, um, get more honest with some of the, the weaknesses that you carry in life that are, that are, are present, but you just never really taken notice of and maybe intentionally ignored. You know, one of them for me has always been, um, if I, if I write it, I can be criticized. And, uh, and just a, a, a fear that I had that I didn't realize how um, strong it was uh, until what was it? It was fairly recent. I can't even remember the circumstances that surrounded it, but it was helpful for me to realize um, what I learned about myself in order to kind of get past this, putting it down on paper, the ideas 
in order for you to say, well, that's a bunch of crap or whatever, you know. Um, so uh, it was a good moment for me so I can get past that. But yeah, I've always, I've, I've got the files actually. I have interviews of people in college that I was researching for, for writing book. I still have files of it from Palm Beach Atlantic. Oh. Yeah. Well, why don't you just take all of that, yep. put them together into a book and just name it, you know, 25 great beginnings or something. Like yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe, maybe I can make some money doing that. Yeah, it's a good idea. Let, let me try that. Yeah. So I actually, it's interesting because I this most recent book that I've actually developed more than any other had a lady that was a English professor at a at a private school here. She said she'd edit my books. And uh, so I'd never been involved in that process of critique with an editor. Because uh, I like to think of myself as somebody that's articulate and can write down things that are just succinct and profound and, um, you know, Tom's fantasy world. But um, so uh, anyway, I wrote, a, I wrote an intro and I had a particular word that I really liked. And then I sent it to her and she critiqued it. Like the one thing that she critiqued that I love most, she's like, that's the wrong word. And we had, a, you know, on the message side of the Google Docs, we're having this back and forth on why I chose the word. And she goes, it's not the right word. And she explained why. And it was pretty funny. So uh, but I but I, um, I I I ended up agreeing with her. I humbled myself to her um, editorial skills and changed the word. Wow. Yeah. So it was funny. I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier. Well, not that I needed to, but. So somebody we know is big into writing and I'm trying to find who it is. And I, she actually does a blog about writing or not a blog, a podcast. Oh, really? So I would have to go find that and uh, get back to you. That was, yeah, uh, that'd be great. Yep. Somebody from PBA. Really? Yeah, because I, I know like Jennifer Rothschild, she's written books and um, and uh, uh, a, couple, a number of other people that have ended up getting published. Um, so but it's not her. I know that. No, that this was uh, somebody else. And Jennifer, I, I actually spoke to Phil. Phil's supposed to be coming on. Great. Rothschild at some point. But yeah. 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 Well, he'll market his wife because that's his job. I mean, you know, well, I mean, come on. Those, you know, they're real you know, celebrities in a sense <laughs> yeah, yeah. to come on the uncle Marv show. Come on. Uh, no, no, no doubt about it. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. they're thinking, okay, he can't pay us. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Phil is a great, he's another person that's great memory. I worked at the student center and he was the guy that ran that whole thing and um, really good, good guy. Yeah. That's how, that's how I knew him mainly through that. So so here's a weird Phil story. Yeah. So the first year I went to PBA, Phil was there in leadership. And let's see, that was the year. So Hal Howler was our president the first year. I think I was vice president or yep, yep. something. Um, when I went back to Satellite Beach, Phil Rothschild was a youth pastor at Palm Bay or one of the churches, Central Baptist, um, in our area. And we had to play softball against him that summer. Oh, boy. And uh, <laughs> I was like, wow. And uh, it was like from that area. 
And I did I, not know that. And he was a great baseball player at Palm Beach Atlantic too. He so he, he was probably a good softball player, I would imagine. He was a great, well, he was a coach, so he couldn't oh, play. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> okay, yeah, I thought he was playing like in a men's league or something like that. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. that, so, but no, he was the coach of the of the youth group. And... Yeah, I've tried to actually, you mentioned Hal, I've tried to connect with him because he was up here in the Northeast a little bit um, working with the Southern Baptist Convention, <clears throat> but never happened. So he was like in New York, three, four hours away and you know, that distance made it enough for us to never make the connection. But I tried to get connect because I remember him and I debating theological matters at the student center desk. He would come with his dad's writings on a particular subject. I won't bring up that particular one, but he was wrong and I was right. And I was trying to convince him and uh, it was pretty fun. So we, we revisited that when we connected. I was like, hell, you remember bringing those manila files with all your dad's, uh, you know, teachings? Yeah, I remember that. So. Yeah, I, I probably didn't participate in any of that because I was busy playing pool and ping pong. Right. Yeah, that was, uh, and I was at the desk passing out the paddles. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's actually where, that's where Shannon discovered me, my wife. She worked there too, and she was like, oh, I like that guy. And that's how it all began, right there at the student center. So. That's how it began. I was trying to remember. Yeah, there's other parts of the story. She tells the story like way more grandiose than I ever would in terms of, you know, who I was. I was a baseball player and, you know, I was I was I was older than a lot of you guys. So I was, you know, I was like three years before I got to college. So she describes me, I think, again, in a larger than life way of, about life on the campus at Palm Beach Atlantic. You were the old man on campus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um basically kept us in line. Yeah. Like you can't do that. You know, why not? <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, uh yeah, I, I loved it. Go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, you were I, I was your age once, trust me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was only three years older, right. I know. Well, I have to get her on. I know she's never really been a big speaker, but get her on here and share a story or two. Oh, Shannon? Yeah. That would be a work. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I, I'll ask her. Yeah. She'll. Uh, it not have I to think, be long. Just, just a, you know, quick appearance. Yeah. I, she'll she probably even, do. She even appear by phone. I can, I can bring in phone interviews. Yeah. Yeah. No, she wouldn't mind being on. I don't think she'd probably talk about her uh, uh, experience of being diagnosed with cancer and getting treated and how, how it actually drew her closer in her relationship with God that, uh, that event and that circumstance that we walked through um, that happened when we were down in Orlando. And, um, but so I'm sure that would be part of it. And then of course she'll celebrate all her wonderful kids and things like that. You know, you'll have to probably probe to get anything good about me in there, but. So I was just thinking that there's another person that I've got lined up that is. I have to make sure I get my facts straight. So there's a several cancer stories that uh so i'm thinking maybe i can just bring them all on together and kind of ease the burden for them to share sure and uh there'll be some camaraderie and some some supporting stories with each other yeah when we got when we got the diagnosis it was in uh altamont springs florida and the doctor was absolutely bedside manner worst doctor in the history of bedside manner 
So they walk in and they're like, so I think you need to start getting some things in order. So, you know, that's the phrase that means what? <sighs> wow. Yeah. You know, like, you're, you know, say goodbye to the planet right. Earth, right? So I was like, I went white, sheet white. I'm like, what? And uh, so, uh, yeah, this could be this and it'll lead to this. And usually these cancers are this. And I was like, oh, my word. Uh, and then uh, so then we go to the oncologist and he's like, oh, we got this cancer down. You're going to outlive me. And I was like, I'm going back to that doctor. I'm like, how in the world could that person say what they did when this oncologist is like, we've got, you know, some great treatment for this type of cancer that you have. And and, and right the first thing out of his mouth is I'm 20 years older than you and you're going to far out distance me and you're going to live longer than me. And so and it was good news. Three years of treatment. But nonetheless, uh, he was right. They, um, she's been, you know, 10 years out. And, um, part of the reason why we even moved here was to go to Dana Farber, uh, Brigham and women's hospital, which one of the leading research, uh, cancer centers connected with Harvard and all that kind of stuff. So Shana was in a test group and all that kind of stuff for the particular, uh, protein specific cancer treatment that they were using, uh, at the time. And, and it, and, uh, it was successful. So, all right. Well, definitely have to uh, get her on and share that story because that's to, to be scared at the beginning, and then you know to yeah. have the uh, the wherewithal to have uh, somebody you know the right way, you know, approach it and say, "Look, you're going to be fine." Right. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting to process out with our adult children how they uh, experienced as younger kids. Cause it was in 2000 and the 2007, 2008. So they were a lot younger and their experience of their mom. I remember that. And, and I remember reading or hearing that, you know, you guys, you know, it wasn't that, you know, you got the diagnosis, you know, within, you know, hours, it's that you went a few days yep. thinking that, that was, that was going to be it. Right. We did. And it was, it was scary. And the kids, you know, were a part of that, even having a, you know, what, you know, their mom going into the hospital for chemo treatments, you know, the whole big C word and chemo and everything still has a stigma to it that, you know, for a kid trying to process, it was really amazing. So having conversations 10 years after how our kids were frightened and observed, you know, how, we lived in the midst of it all. It was pretty cool to hear um, how they experienced it from, you know, the view of a eyes of a children, a child, you know, with a suffering parent. So, hmm. and, um, and, you know, what God again did to sustain Shannon and her faith. And they observed that and it was meaningful for them. And they're uh, coming to be followers of Jesus as well. So, um, so anyway, yeah, if she would be willing, I'll I'll poke at her and uh, send her an email, you know. And, uh, She's on the list. There you go. <laughs> so we get that going. All righty, my friend. Well, uh, we've uh, gone quite a while here. You were, yes, we you have. Were, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take much when you have a lo- uh, good friendships. Yeah. And uh, so actually it's, it's uh, in the chat. So we had... Uli Bernier also pipe in who, so this is the thing. 
that I like about these shows that, you know, Uli and Carla are people from my high school. Yeah. And you and I were college and we can share stories and people are tuning in and, you know, Carla just put up a thing saying amazing. And as you were talking about Shannon yeah. um, and stuff like that. So, you know, the stories transcend. That's right. So yep. um, that's another thing I hope that uh, as this gets going, you know, I wasn't sure if this was going to be like a, you know, a one year mission or yeah. a five year mission, but obviously we'll, we'll go as far as uh, people will take it. Sure. That's great. Well, you got a bunch of friends, so it can go a long time. Well, if they all say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, well, yeah. Thanks for the invite and for the reconnected means a lot. All right, sir. And we'll talk off air about a couple of things and then we'll uh, set something else up and uh, start working on Shannon. Sounds good. All right. So thank you all for watching and listening and be sure to head over to unclemarv.com and pay attention to the posts there. You'll see past episodes that you can listen to. If you want to be alerted anytime that we do these shows, be sure to head over to the Uncle Marv on Facebook page or to Uncle Marv on YouTube and just like the pages and you'll be alerted whenever we do a live show and you'll be alerted from UncleMarv.com through any of your podcast, you know, Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, all those things. So anytime there's an audible release of a podcast, you'll get that as well. So I want to say thank you to Tom, my good friend from Georgia Avenue. <laughs> yep. Remember that finally, Georgia Avenue, yep. uh, where you can watch your TV walk down the street. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode, folks. And uh, until next time, holla. <laughs>